0: You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Glad to be here for your Missions Conference, your Mission Emphasis Sunday. And uh, if you miss Sunday School, my name is Bradley Hastings. I am a veteran missionary. I'm not a rookie. Been around the block more than once. We spent 25 years in New Zealand. 2008, we left New Zealand and moved to New Mexico and began working among Native Americans. So my wife down here in the front. I won't make you stand, okay? We've been married for 46 years. We have three daughters who all live in the glorious state of Texas. And uh, we have four granddaughters. Your is fixing to have a big change in climate. You need to pray for him. I know that he's going to miss this snow. He'll still get the wind, but instead of snowflakes, it will be sand that'll be blowing. We're glad to be here. If you have your Bibles this morning, let me invite your attention over to the book of Jude. The book of Jude is a very easy book to find. Go to the last book in your Bible, which is the book of Revelation. Go back one book and you're in the book of Jude. 25 verses written by our Lord's half-brother. Most people don't know that. Jude and James were his brothers. And I want to read a portion of scripture here. This is Missions Emphasis Sunday, and I love to talk about missions. Went preaching at church a couple years ago down in Palestine, Texas, and I got there, and there was a new preacher, and he said to me, uh, first of all, he said he didn't want me to preach, which is fine. I don't get insulted by that. But after he had talked to me for a little while, he said, I think I want you to preach. I said, that's fine, preacher, I can preach. And he said to me, I want you to preach, but I don't want you to preach on missions. Thankfully, I had an outline still stuck in my Bible that wasn't a mission sermon. But anyway, I'm speaking on missions day. This is Mission Sunday. Are you all excited about it? It's the greatest Sunday of the year for your church, okay? It's why you're here. In the book of Jude... Verse number twenty says, "But ye beloved, building up yourselves in your most holy faith, and praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And if some have compassion, making a difference; and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, to present you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now." and ever. Amen. Now, I made mention in Sunday School a little while ago that I am very big into Facebook. The reason why I'm big into Facebook is because Native Americans are big into Facebook. If you look at my list of friends, you'll see I have a lot of Native Americans on my friend list. A lot of them are not saved. I use my page as a tool to witness to them, share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here recently, I saw a t-shirt. They always got funny t-shirts on there trying to get you to buy. And this t-shirt said this on it. It was a white t-shirt with these words on the front of it. Live your life so your pastor doesn't have to lie at your funeral. Live your life so your pastor doesn't have to lie at your funeral. Verse number 22 says, And if some have compassion, making a difference. See that, making a difference. Let me ask you, is your life making a difference? Is it honestly making a difference to the people that you come in contact with? You know, James says our life is like a vapor that appears for a little moment and then vanishes away. Time is flying. 40 years, preacher, you've been here. 40 years I've been doing this. In fact, it was 44 years ago that God called me to preach. God called me to go to the regions beyond. Went to college, prepared, wasted a few years, and then God put us in New Zealand for 25. Hard, hard field. It's a killer. I was there for 25 years when I left New Zealand. I was senior missionary in New Zealand. Nobody had been there longer than I had. Making a difference. Well, let me share a little secret with you this morning. If you wanna make a difference, a real difference, get involved in missions. Missions is about making a difference. I'm a very simple preacher, I have a very simple outline, and I'll try my very dead level best to get you out of here early, okay? Because I know y'all wanna go back outside in the snow, in the wind, okay? What is do you with me this morning that making a difference, missions makes a difference in this world? Missions makes a difference in your community. Missions will make a difference in your church. And most of all, missions will make a difference in your life. So notice we first of all, missions makes a difference in this world. Listen to me. The world is going to continue to go on, and it's going to continue to be unchanged, and souls are still going to be lost if we don't get practical in the area of missions. We have got to get involved. This is our calling, this is our reason for existing, is to become involved in missions. It's why your church is here. It's why your pastor's been here for 40 years, trying to teach you that you want to make a difference, get involved in missions. Mark 16, 15, he said unto them, go ye in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now listen to me, I don't agree with St. Francis of Assisi, okay? I don't think your German shepherd needs the gospel, and I don't think your Siamese cat needs the gospel. But he said preach the gospel to every creature. What he was saying there was preach the gospel to the Gentile world because that's what they that's what they saw us as in the first century. Remember that your savior was Jewish. The writers of this book were Jewish. They believed the gospel was for Jews, but the gospel was for all people. Jesus said to take it to all creatures. Shortly after this, the Apostle Paul would say in 1 Timothy 2, verses 3 and 4, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. We have been commissioned to make a difference in this present world, and we do that through our missionary programs in our churches, through our missionary participation, through the missionary efforts of Eastside Baptist Church. You're going to go into all the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, some of you are sitting there this morning saying, oh, no, this is another missionary wanting money. I am. I'm not going to lie to you, okay? Because money makes the world go round, and money reaches souls. But let me just share some statistics with you. Today, 384,701 people will be born. 156,936 people will die with a net gain of two hundred seventy-seven thousand seven hundred sixty-five humans, give or take a few thousand. In this year, 2019, 140 million babies will be born. Only 57 million people will die. Statisticians tell us by the year 2025, the world population will reach 8 billion souls needing Jesus Christ. 8 billion. Now, Wycliffe is a wonderful organization. I have a Wycliffe-translated Bible out there on my t- table. If you want to stop and look at it, it's a Navajo Bible. I cannot read it. I do not know because when they translated it into Navajo, they created a new alphabet that I don't read, okay? But Wycliffe Translators tells us that there are around 7,000 languages in the world today. 7,000 languages being spoken now, you'd be interested to know that of that 7,000, 1,600 languages have not one verse of Scripture. 1,600 languages have not one verse of Scripture. That represents 160 million people that are yet to hear of Jesus Christ. This is why we get involved in missions. The world lies in spiritual darkness is so waiting for you to get involved. It wants you to make a difference. Look at you, look at the world today. Some countries that once sent out missionaries, like England, are now requiring re-evangelization. If you did not know it, there are foreign countries that are now sending missionaries to America because they don't believe we're getting the job done. We have other countries that have been overrun by false religions, by, by pagan religions. We have Islam, Buddhism, Shintoism, Taoism. You can just go through all of those. Here in our own country, we've become so consumed by secular humanism. Chasing the almighty dollar. Thank you for coming this morning. I know it's a terrible morning out there. I know it's cold. I thought it was cold in October. I went to Cheyenne, Wyoming. It was 13. I got this morning. My car said it was four. It didn't even want to start. Tells me that you're interested in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, the world is waiting for you to make a difference. There are three ways to make a difference. First of all, number one is pray for your missionaries. Pray for your missionaries. First Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1 says, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. You know, we live in such a modern age of technology and, and communication. My email address is on my prayer card. If you pray for me, Drop me a note and tell me. Find me on Facebook. Drop a note on Facebook and tell me you prayed for me. I challenged a church up in Mansfield, Ohio to do that recently. And lo and behold, one of the ladies in the church took me literally at her word. And she's been writing me and saying, well, well you know, I prayed for you today. That means a great deal your missionaries, to know that they've been prayed for. Number two, second way to make a difference is get involved in giving. This is what faith promises about, and I'm challenging you. Whatever you gave last year, give more, okay? Ask God to give it to you, and he'll give it to you to give so you can support us, okay? I'm not trying to be greedy, but I'd love to be a part of your missionary family. Now, when I got involved in Facebook, and I, I monitor about six or seven pages. So if you add me, I'm going to invite you to some pages that you probably should like. But anyway, I found on my old computer, I have two desktop computers. I still have my old Windows XP that's still running, okay? And on that Windows XP, I have a program called Microsoft Picture It, which allow me to create pictures and put text into them. So I started doing this as kind of of a tension reliever. I go on the internet and I find a beautiful picture of a sunset or a river or a mountain, and then I find a quote from some famous preacher like Charles Spurgeon, William Carey, Adoniram Judson. And I'll put that in that picture, and I'll create this picture, and then I'll post it on Facebook, okay? And I did one here a couple years ago for a guy by the name of Leonard Ravenhill. And the quote was basically a very simple quote. He said, today's Christians spend more money on dog food than missions. And you know, when I I, I created that picture, I didn't read it right. You know how you, you know how, like when you're proofreading something and you read over and you keep reading it and you keep missing that same mistake because it's, you're just thinking it's there? And when I read that quote from Leonard Ravenhill, this is how I read it. Today's Americans spend more money on dog food than missions. That's how I read it. That's what my brain said. But then I went back and looked at it. He'd say Americans. He said, today's Christians spend more money on dog food than missions. That's sad. Now, my wife has a dog, okay? When we came back from New Zealand, she begged me, can I have a dog, 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 can I have a dog? I finally said, yes, you can have a dog. My sister was in dog breeding. She had some Karen puppies, Karen Terrier. And so Karen Terriers are like Toto. In the Wizard of Oz, we have a little Cairn Terrier. She's blonde. Her name is Maisie. I don't know why it is when we get pets, and we've not had a lot of pets because we're missionaries and we have travel a great deal. Our pets always have to have special dog food. Maisie did not want to disappoint us, okay? She can only eat blue buffalo, sensitive stomach dog food. You don't get this stuff at Walmart, Okay? Blue buffalo sensitive stomach is expensive dog food. I'm not going to tell you how much you shock you if you know how much we paid for it. But let me tell you this I spend far, 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 far more money on missions every month than I do on dog food. I'm trying to say, hey, get involved. God will give it to you to give. Every Sunday morning, our Sunday school starts out in New Mexico with one song. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills, the wealth in every mine. John W. Peterson. I make my little Indian children sing this because their parents don't get this yet. I'm trying to teach them God owns everything. Be willing to give. Thirdly, become a missionary right here at home. When missionaries go overseas and they go to their fields, they're expecting you to be reaching out to your community. They're expecting you to do what they're doing with your family, your friends, because you've already been sent. John 20, 21, Jesus says, My Father has sent me, even so send I you. So missions will make a difference in the world in which we live. We can literally change the world. I believe that. But I also want you to see it will make a difference in your community. If you get involved in missions, it's going to make a tremendous difference right here in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I can't ever think about this without thinking about the woman at the well in John chapter 4. I don't know if you've ever gone back and studied that chapter, but the Bible says Jesus must needs to go through Samaria. Listen, the Jews did not go through Samaria. They hated the Samaritans. They hated the Samaritans as much as many white folk hate Native American. Okay? And in fact, the Jews, in order to keep from going through Samaria, would either cross across the Jordan River and go down the East Bank... Or they would go out west and skirt across the edge of the Samaritan nation. Because they hated them. But he must needs go through Samaria. Why? Because there was going to be a woman at the well, in John chapter 4, drawing water at noon. There was a reason why that woman was there at noon. And that was because the other women in town hated her. Okay? But Jesus knew this woman was going to be there. And so he opened the door. Give me a drink, he said to her. Give me to drink. If you want to know how to win souls? Read John 4. If you want to know how to deal with opposition, read John 4. If you want to know how to deal with arguments? Read John 4. It's all in there, okay? Jesus confronted her with her sin. He said, Go call your husband. She said, I don't got a husband. He said, You said that right. You've had five husbands. The man you have now is not your husband. And Jesus confronted her there, and she got saved. And what did she do? She left her water pot on the curb, went back into town, and talked to the only men, only people that would talk to her, which was the men. Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did is not this to Christ. She began to have an effect on her community. She got excited about what had happened. And you know, because she was willing to share what God had done in her life, and I'm asking you to share what God has done in your life, it changed her community she lived in. You read in John chapter 4, verse 39, it says, Many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman was justified, he told me all that ever I did. And there's a wonderful play on words in this, in this text that a lot of people don't catch because it also shows you the relentlessness of this woman. One thing I, I am is I am tenacious. My wife knows this. I am tenacious. I don't quit. I don't give up. If a Navajo doesn't want to talk to you, they just turn their back to you and walk away. They do that to me, and I'll say, I'll talk to you about it again later. I keep going back and keep going back and keep going back. Because you see, it says in verse number 42, it says, And said unto the woman, Now we believe not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. There's a play on words here, I said. In verse number 39, it says, of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman. The word saying there is the word logos. Very common New Testament word. John 1.1, the beginning was the word, the logos. Okay? But in verse number 42, it says, It said the woman, Now we believe not because of thy saying. The word saying there is not logos, but rather it's the Greek word for your mouth. Okay? What they're saying is, now we believe, not because you chattered after us, because you would not cease to tell us about Jesus. We went and heard him, and we got saved But anyway, besides the fact that you witnessed him. When was the last time somebody got mad at you and told you, shut up about Jesus? Think about that for a second, okay? This is what she did. You see, when you get excited about the gospel of Jesus Christ and what it can do, you want to share it with other people. You want to share. And the wonderful thing about salvation, I love this. I love it, I Isn't it great how God works in our life? Is about salvation is that you can give it, give, it give it away and 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 still have it. That's not true with money, is it? But with the gospel, you can. Someone once said, they will not come. They must be brought. They will not learn. They must be taught. They will not seek. They must be sought. How big of an impact are you going to have on your community right now, making a difference? He says. And third, I want you to notice that missions will make a difference in your church, right here. Missions is the reason for your church. This is not an enhancer. This is not. <clears throat> this is not an app that you add on. You know, I have a smartphone and I have all kinds of apps on it. People tell me, oh, you need to try this app. I recently got a new one called Map My Ride and it maps everywhere I go because you see, I'm getting old now and I forget what roads I've driven on because I keep a master map since 1980 of every road I've ever driven on in America. Okay, I'm just that kind of a guy. I'm kind of a guy that, with statistics and facts and things like that. I also have an app. Some of you might have it. Does anybody have Waze, W-A-Z-E? Anybody got the Waze app? Nobody? Come on. Oh, there's one. Great app. If you travel a lot, you want to get that one because it tells you where all the highway patrol are at before you get there. Okay? It's not that I speed, but it's a good app. Okay. Now, y'all believe that one, don't you? I hear y'all laughing on that one. You see, this isn't a add on program. It's the reason you exist. It's the reason why Eastside Baptist Church was here. Is for missions. See, when churches cancel their missions programs, they might as well close the door. This last year, in 2018, it was probably about September, October, I received a letter from a church in Texas. Let me tell you what town it is stating, we have decided to do away with our missions program for the time being. This will be the last check that you'll get. I already had an appointment with that church, and so I went by the church and saw the pastor. He said, oh, we're reorganizing. We're restructuring our missions, and Lord willing, we should pick you back up in February. Well, I'm waiting, and we'll see. You see, when you do that, you might as well close the doors because your church is no longer a church. It's a club, and you don't need another club in town. you got plenty of clubs. The church, your church, Eastside Baptist was given the Great Commission. Listen to me. It was not given to... Baptist crusades. It was not given to YWAM. It was not given to Navigators. It was not given to any parachurch ministry. It was given to Eastside Baptist Church. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I command you. And, lo, I am with you all way even until the end of the world. Amen. That's your commission. It's your command. It's what you're to be doing call it the Great Commission because it's great in its task. Almost 8 billion people in the world today. That's a great task. It's great in its outreach. It's great in its responsibility. Because look, if you don't have missions, you might as well paint Ichabod across the outside of your building and lock the doors because the glory of the Lord hath departed. See, everything that we do in our Christian walk is to be a matter of faith. We ask missionaries to go to the field and serve by faith. I've done that, okay? I did not go and look at the field. I have never gone and done a field trip. I've just gone. In 1982, October 29, 1982, after two years of debutation, we went to New Zealand. First, I was ever on a plane okay my preacher told me he said I'll take you to the airport in Kansas City we'll put you on the plane we flew from Kansas City to Dallas here's what happened we got to Kansas City we rolled into into Kansas City about 7 o'clock in the morning one of those big thunderstorms you know, and the big boomers came through lightning everywhere we got on the plane we taxied out the end of the runway and we stopped the pilot came on and said, folks, that last lightning strike just took out the radar. We're gonna see if we can find some fuses and get it working, we'll take off in a few minutes. And so we sat there for another 15, 20 minutes, and then he came on and said, well, it doesn't look like we'll get that radar working today, so we're gonna go up by numbers, we'll take our turn. That's always exciting to know that you don't actually know what's up there when you take off, right? There's no radar. Of course, we winged into Dallas, Get on in Dallas, we got on a 747, going from Dallas to Honolulu. You know a 747 seats about 400 people and you're the last one on the plane and they're all sitting there buckled up looking at you about why are we still sitting here because of you? We got that look. Flew to Honolulu. Got on Pan Am from Honolulu to Auckland. When I did my video that we showed in Sunday school, I got it all done and I was playing through it and I realized I had the wrong plane for that scene arriving in New Zealand. I had an Air New Zealand plane. I had to go back and find a Pan Am plane, a 747, to patch in there, okay? We flew into Auckland International and that plane banked its wing down after two years of debutation. And we looked out there and we saw the sheep grazing along the runway. It's always exciting to see sheep along a runway. You're praying they don't get on the runway, amen? New Zealand has 4 million people. They have 85 million head of sheep. They are literally everywhere. We arrived, and the Macedonian man was not there to greet us. But we were where God wanted us to go. We went by faith. And now I'm asking you to step out on faith. I'm asking you to pray for us by faith. I'm asking for you to give so that we might continue to go. I'm asking you to get busy here in your own church, bringing people in and winning souls. And your pastor's leaving. You're going through a transition. There are going to be people say, well, Brother Spencer's not there anymore. I'm not going to go back to church. Don't do that. This is your church. I've been trying to teach my Native Americans that. This is your church. I'm just the Belagana pastor here to preach the gospel to you. You owe yourselves. You are family. You see, if you step out of faith and totally get involved in missions, totally get involved in missions, it'll make a difference in your church. It'll add to the thrill of your prayer letters. It will encourage other members to get involved. It will astonish you to see what God is doing through your local church around the world, and it will amaze you where God will provide the funds. I am on Obamacare. That's the only way I can afford health insurance. When I went to New Mexico 10 years ago, my insurance was $300 a month. I could pay that. My insurance now is 1600 a month. So Uncle Sam said they would help me pay for it. Sure, I'll let you help me pay for it, amen? So anyway, here back a few months ago, I got a letter from healthcare.gov. For the year 2016, it said, we have miscalculated your payments to healthcare.gov. You need to go and refile your taxes. So I trotted down to HR Block, saw my friend Frida Castillo, who I will see on Thursday. I said, Frida, I got this letter. I don't know what it means. She looked at it, she said, I don't know what it means, but I will call you. I left it with her, I told her to call me, I was on the road traveling. I left it with her and I forgot all about it. I was going to the highway one day and she called me. She said, I've got good news and I've got bad news. I said, what's the good news? The good news, she said, is the government owes you $1882. I said, what's the bad news? The bad news, she said, you owe me $35 for after you refile. That was on top of what I already paid her. Well, anyway, I got I'd been gone for six weeks. I went back, got the the post office. Post office holding my mail, they have a big box for me of all my stuff, and I'm going through there, and down to the very bottom of the box is that check. Opened it up and guess what it said? $1,995. See, they paid me interest on the two years that I overpaid. Then guess what I got in the mail this this last month? A statement telling them I owed taxes on the interest that they paid me. (laughs) (laughs) You think the government did that? No, my father did that. He said, you need a check. Here, let me give you some money. I'm not saying you're going to get a letter from healthcare.gov next week, but I am saying God's going to provide it. And he's going to amaze you where he's going to bring it from to give so you can go so others can go. And then I want you to see with me finally, and I need to hurry here, as missions makes a difference in your own life. Oh, the joys of being a missionary. And I are a missionary. On my 1040 every year, occupation, the lady writes, for your rights down, missionary. Okay? Have I had hard times? My second term in New Zealand, we almost starved to death. To this day, my three daughters will not eat ham and beans. They'll not eat biscuits or fried potatoes because that's what we lived off of for four years. I've had hard times. Have I had people let me down? Yes. Have I been discouraged? Yeah, I quit every Monday to rehire myself on Tuesday. That's how it works, okay? But you know, all the disappointments, all the people that let me down, all the people that have done terrible things to me mean nothing. In the light of seeing just one soul saved that's what it's about we went to wellington we met a couple from sri lanka Their name was visvan Sharani visvanathan it took me a long time to learn i say their last name visvanathan and uh, it was an unusual couple he was a tamil she was a Singhalese. she was a Sinhalese. tamil and Singhalese don't marry they don't they they opposed each other in sri lanka He was a Hindu, she was a Buddhist. She came along and she got saved fairly well straight away. For 10 years, we prayed for Visva, that he would get saved. His problem was this, when he went to boarding school as a child, he was the ducks in his school. That's spelled D-U-X, it means the top boy. He was a top boy in Anglican boarding school and he was a Hindu. Every morning when the professors came in, the teachers came in to eat their breakfast, he would have to get up and pray the blessing on their breakfast. And he wasn't even a Christian. He used to say to me, I know all your songs. I used to sing in the school choir. I know all your hymns. I know all these things. Ten years. And Visva came to know Christ as his Savior. That makes it worth it. Or maybe like Jordan Lon Jose I told you about in our adult Sunday school class this morning. You knew during that revival meeting, Jordan came forward three nights in a row. He kept saying, I don't understand it, but I want to understand it. I don't understand all of it, but I want to understand why Christ died for me. If you go to Jordan Longhose, I'm ask asking if he's saved. He'll show you where he wrote it in the front of his Bible. I got saved on this day. That. Is what makes it worth it. See, this is the difference that missions will make in your life. But listen to me, it makes no difference in your life if you do not know Christ as your Savior. You see, you're not a missionary, you are the mission field, is what you are. That's the thing that you have to do. You have to find that point in your life where you trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. I would challenge you today, if I came to you, and I I, I would only ever do it privately, if I came to you and said to you, can you tell me the time, the place, or the event where you trusted Christ as your Savior, what would you say to me? We were baptizing a little girl by the name of Jessica Nez at our mission work. We had baptismal service, and her her grandmother had been coming. Her name is Nancy Nez. And her grandmother had been coming, and, and I had baptized several, and Jessica had gone in and changed her clothes, and she was still wet as they are, and I, Nancy was standing on the porch at the church, and I said to Nancy, Nancy, can you tell me when you trusted Christ as your Savior? And she said, well, preacher, I got baptized. I said, I didn't ask you when you got baptized. I asked you, when did you trust Christ as your Savior? She said again, well, I got baptized, preacher. Her granddaughter's standing there, he, she said, Grandma, he's not asking you when you got baptized. He's asking you when you got saved. And she said, well, I guess I don't know. I guess I don't know where I got saved. And I said, would you mind if Mrs. H showed you how to be saved? And she said, not at all. And that morning she got saved. We left the water in the stock tank because that was the first baptismal picture in that video that I showed you this morning. That was Nancy being baptized. You see, you need to have that place, that event, that time where you say, preacher, I got saved. July 5th, 1967, Camp Sagmont, Joppa, Missouri, our junior camp, 700 campers. I was sitting on the next to the back row on this side. You see, I can tell you, you need to know Christ as your Savior. And let me challenge you. If you always say, well, pastor, I'm saved. I got saved at revival meeting. Or someone led me to the Lord. I'm I saved. Let me ask you, where's your church home at? Do you have a church home? Do you have some place that you say, this is where I belong. This is where my family attends. You need to join Eastside Baptist Church. You need to do that today and not put it off. And then you say, well, Brother Hastings, I'm already saved. I'm already a baptized member. Well, then let me challenge you to the greatest step of faith you ever make. Be a missionary right here in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Be a missionary where God puts you at. It's what you need. We only have one shot at this, folks. We only have one life this side of eternity. There is no reincarnation that's a lie from the devil. That's a lot of people fall into that one, okay? This is it. This is why you need to be saved now. Why you need a church home. This is why you need to become a missionary to reach your own people. Is your life making a difference? Or are you just coasting through? It was Dr. DJ Kennedy who said one of the sad statistics of our day is that 98% of all Christians will never lead a soul to Christ. Listen, you can only get saved one time. That's it. Once saved, always saved. You ought to know that. That's Baptist doctrine, goes all the way back to John the Baptist, okay? Once saved, always saved. You can't get saved but once. But the next greatest experience to getting saved once is birthing another Christian. There's nothing like it in the world. Billy Graham once said, my hands sweat every time I get up to preach. Why? Because we're dealing with people's eternity every time we enter the pulpit. Let me ask you, do you know Christ as your Savior? Do you have a church home? Are you getting involved? Is your life going to make a difference? Would you stand with me, please? Some musicians, come back for an invitation. I'm going to pray. And when I get done praying, I'm going to give the service back to Pastor Spencer. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your house today. We thank you for the testimony of this church and their love for missions. But Father, we ask that your spirit would do something here this morning. Father, I ask that your spirit would touch the hearts of those that have yet to be saved. Father, I pray that he would convict them and he would draw them to you. And Father, I pray for the Christians that are here that are already saved. Father, Lord, that they might make that decision. Some need a church home. Maybe they need to join here this morning. And Father, most of all, I pray that they would be a missionary right where they're at, that you would challenge them to give more, to pray more, and to go more, to reach the lost in our nation. So Father, might you have your will and your way in this invitation. Touch hearts, move feet, And help us to please Thee. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.